Chapter 29 of Leviathan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Leviathan by Thomas Hobbes. Chapter 29 Of those things that weaken or tend to the dissolution of a commonwealth. Though nothing can be immortal which mortals make, yet, if men had the use of reason they pretend to, their commonwealths might be secured, at least, from perishing by internal diseases. For by the nature of their institution, they are designed to live as long as mankind, or as the laws of nature, or as justice itself, which gives them life. Therefore, when they come to be dissolved, not by external violence, but intestine disorder, the fault is not in men, as they are the matter, but as they are the makers and orderers of them. For men, as they become at least weary of irregular jostling and hewing one another, and desire with all their hearts to conform themselves into one firm and lasting edifice, so for want both of the art of making fit laws to square their actions by, and also of humility and patience to suffer the rude and cumbersome points of their present greatness to be taken off, they cannot, without the help of a very able architect, be compiled into any other than a crazy building, such as, hardly lasting out their own time, must assuredly fall upon the heads of their posterity. Amongst the infirmities, therefore, of a commonwealth, I will reckon in the first place those that arise from an imperfect institution, and resemble the diseases of a natural body, which proceed from a defectuous procreation. Of which this is one, that a man to obtain a kingdom is sometimes content with less power than to the peace and defense of the commonwealth is necessarily required. From whence it cometh to pass that when the exercise of the power laid by is for the public safety to be resumed, it hath the resemblance of an unjust act, which dispose of great numbers of men, when occasion is presented, to rebel, in the same manner as the bodies of children gotten by diseased parents are subject either to untimely death or to purge the ill quality derived from their vicious conception by breaking out into biles and scabs. And when kings deny themselves some such necessary power, it is not always, though sometimes out of ignorance of what is necessary to the office they undertake, but many times out of a hope to recover the same again at their pleasure, wherein they reason not well, because such as will hold them to their promises shall be maintained against them by foreign commonwealths, who in order to the good of their own subjects let slip few occasions to weaken the estate of their neighbours. So was Thomas Becket, Archbishop of Canterbury, supported against Henry the Second by the Pope, the subjection of ecclesiastics to the commonwealth having been dispensed with by William the Conqueror at his reception, when he took an oath not to infringe the liberty of the church. 
and so were the barons whose power was by william rufus to have their help in transferring the succession from his elder brother to himself increased to a degree inconsistent with the sovereign power maintained in their rebellion against king john by the french nor does this happen in monarchy only for whereas the style of the ancient roman commonwealth was the senate and people of rome neither senate nor people pretended to the whole power which first caused the seditions of tiberius gracchus caius gracchus lucius saturnius and others and afterwards the wars between the senate and the people under marius and Silla, and again under pompey and caesar to the extinction of their democracy and the setting up of monarchy the people of athens bound themselves but from one only action which was that no man on pain of death should propound the renewing of the war for the island of salamis and yet thereby if solon had not cause to be given out he was mad and afterwards in gesture and habit of a madman and in verse propounded it to the people that flocked about him they had had an enemy perpetually in readiness even at the gates of their city such damage or shifts are all commonwealths forced to that have their power never so little limited in the second place i observe the diseases of a commonwealth that proceed from the poison of seditious doctrines whereof one is that every private man is judge of good and evil actions this is true in the condition of mere nature where there are no civil laws and also under civil government in such cases as are not determined by the law but otherwise it is manifest that the measure of good and evil actions is the civil law and the judge the legislator who is always representative of the commonwealth from this false doctrine men are disposed to debate with themselves and dispute the commands of the commonwealth and afterwards to obey or disobey them as in their private judgments they shall think fit whereby the commonwealth is distracted and weakened another doctrine repugnant to civil society is that whatsoever a man does against his conscience is sin and it dependeth on the presumption of making himself judge of good and evil for a man's conscience and his judgment is the same thing and as the judgment so also the conscience may be erroneous therefore though he that is subject to no civil law sinneth in all he does against his conscience because he has no other rule to follow but his own reason yet it is not so with him that lives in a commonwealth because the law is the public conscience by which he hath already undertaken to be guided otherwise in such diversity as there is of private consciences which are but private opinions the commonwealth must needs be distracted and no man dare to obey the sovereign power farther than it shall seem good in his own eyes it hath been also commonly taught that faith and sanctity are not to be attained by study and reason but by supernatural inspiration or infusion which granted i see not why any man should render a reason of his faith or why every christian should not be also a prophet or why any man should take the law of his country rather than his own inspiration for the rule of his action 
and thus we fall again into the fault of taking upon us to judge of good and evil or to make judges of it such private men as pretend to be supernaturally inspired to the dissolution of all civil government faith comes by hearing and hearing by those accidents which guide us into the presence of them that speak to us which accidents are all contrived by god almighty and yet are not supernatural but only for the great number of them that concur to every effect unobservable faith and sanctity are indeed not very frequent but yet they are not miracles but brought to pass by education discipline correction and other natural ways by which god worketh them in his elect at such time as he thinketh fit and these three opinions pernicious to peace and government have in this part of the world proceeded chiefly from tongues and pens of unlearned divines who joining the words of holy scripture together otherwise as agreeable to reason do what they can to make men think that sanctity and natural reason cannot stand together a fourth opinion repugnant to the nature of a commonwealth is this that he that hath the sovereign power is subject to the civil laws it is true that sovereigns are all subject to the laws of nature because such laws be divine and cannot by any man or commonwealth be abrogated but to those laws which the sovereign himself that is which the commonwealth maketh he is not subject for to be subject to laws is to be subject to the commonwealth that is to the sovereign representative that is to himself which is not subjection but freedom from the laws which error because it setteth the laws above the sovereign setteth also a judge above him and a power to punish him which is to make a new sovereign and again for the same reason a third to punish the second and so continually without end to the confusion and dissolution of the commonwealth a fifth doctrine that tendeth to the dissolution of the commonwealth is that every private man has an absolute propriety in his goods such as excludeth the right of the sovereign every man has indeed a propriety that excludes the right of every other subject and he has it only from the sovereign power without the protection whereof every other man should have right to the same but the right of the sovereign also be excluded he cannot perform the office they have put him into which is to defend them both from foreign enemies and from the injuries of one another and consequently there is no longer a commonwealth and if the propriety of subjects exclude not the right of the sovereign representative to their goods much less to their offices of judicature or execution in which they represent the sovereign himself there is a sixth doctrine plainly and directly against the essence of a commonwealth and it is this that the sovereign power may be divided for what is it to divide the power of a commonwealth but to dissolve it for powers divided mutually destroy each other and for these doctrines men are chiefly beholding to some of those that making profession of the laws endeavor to make them depend upon their own learning and not upon the legislative power and as false doctrine 
so also oftentimes the example of different government in a neighboring nation disposeth men to alteration of the form already settled so the people of the jews were stirred up to reject god and to call upon the prophet samuel for a king after the manner of the nations so also the lesser cities of greece were continually disturbed with seditions of the aristocratical and democratical factions one part of almost every commonwealth desiring to imitate the lacedaemonians the other the athenians and i doubt not but many men have been contented to see the late troubles in england out of an imitation of the low countries supposing there needed no more to grow rich than to change as they had done the form of their government for the constitution of man's nature is of itself subject to desire novelty when therefore they are provoked to the same by the neighbourhood also of those that have been enriched by it it is almost impossible to be content with those that solicit them to change and love the first beginnings though they be grieved with the continuance of disorder like hot bloods that having gotten the itch tear themselves with their own nails till they can endure the smart no longer and as to rebellion in particular against monarchy one of the most frequent causes of it is the reading of the books of policy and histories of the ancient greeks and romans from which young men and all others that are unprovided of the antidote of solid reason receiving a strong and delightful impression of the great exploits of war achieved by the conductors of their armies receive withal a pleasing idea of all they have done besides and imagine their great prosperity not to have proceeded from the emulation of particular men but from the virtue of their popular form of government not considering the frequent seditions and civil wars produced by the imperfection of their policy from the reading i say of such books men have undertaken to kill their kings because the greek and latin writers in their books and discourses of policy make it lawful and laudable for any man so to do provided before he do it he call him tyrant for they say not regicide that is killing of a king but tyrannicide that is killing of a tyrant is lawful from the same books they that live under a monarch conceive the opinion that the subjects in a popular commonwealth enjoy liberty but that in a monarchy they are all slaves i say they that live under a monarchy conceive such an opinion not that they live under a popular government for they find no such matter in sum i cannot imagine how anything can be more prejudicial to a monarchy than the allowing of such books to be publicly read without present applying such correctives of discreet masters as are fit to take away their venom which venom i will not doubt to compare to the biting of a mad dog which is a disease that physicians call hydrophobia or fear of water for as he that is so bitten has a continual torment of thirst and yet abhorreth water and is in such an estate as if the poison endeavoured to convert him into a dog so when a monarchy is once bitten to the quick by those democratical writers that continually snarl at that estate it wanteth nothing more than a strong monarch which nevertheless out of a certain tyrannophobia or fear of being strongly governed when they have him they abhor 
as there have been doctors that hold there be three souls in a man so there be also that think there may be more souls that is more sovereigns than one in a commonwealth and set up a supremacy against the sovereignty canons against laws and a ghostly authority against the civil working on men's minds with words and distinctions that of themselves signify nothing but bewray by their obscurity that there walketh as some think invisibly another kingdom as it were a kingdom of fairies in the dark now seeing it is manifest that the civil power and the power of the commonwealth is the same thing and that supremacy and the power of making canons and granting faculties implieth a commonwealth it followeth that where one is sovereign another supreme where one can make laws and another make canons there must needs be two commonwealths of one and the same subjects which is a kingdom divided in itself and cannot stand for notwithstanding the insignificant distinction of temporal and ghostly they are still two kingdoms and every subject is subject to two masters foreseeing the ghostly power challengeth the right to declare what is sin it challengeth by consequence to declare what is law sin being nothing but the transgression of the law and again the civil power challenging to declare what is law every subject must obey two masters who both will have their commands be observed as law which is impossible or if it be but one kingdom either the civil which is the power of the commonwealth must be subordinate to the ghostly and then there is no sovereignty but the ghostly or the ghostly must be subordinate to the temporal and then there is no supremacy but the temporal when therefore these two powers oppose one another the commonwealth cannot but be in great danger of civil war and dissolution for the civil authority being more visible and standing in the clearer light of natural reason cannot choose but draw to it in all times a very considerable part of the people and the spiritual though it stand in the darkness of school distinctions and hard words yet because the fear of darkness and ghosts is greater than other fears cannot want a party sufficient to trouble and sometimes to destroy a commonwealth and this is a disease which not unfitly may be compared to the epilepsy or falling sickness which the jews took to be one kind of possession by spirits in the body natural for as in this disease there is an unnatural spirit or wind in the head that obstructeth the roots of the nerves and moving them violently taketh the motion which naturally they should have from the power of the soul in the brain thereby causeth violent and irregular motions which men call convulsions in the parts insomuch as he that is seized therewith falleth down sometimes into the water and sometimes into the fire as a man deprived of his senses so also in the body politic when the spiritual power moveth the members of a commonwealth by the terror of punishments and hope of rewards which are the nerves of it otherwise than by the civil power which is the soul of the commonwealth they ought to be moved and by strange and hard words suffocates their understanding 
it must needs thereby distract the people and either overwhelm the commonwealth with oppression or cast it into the fire of a civil war sometimes also in the merely civil government there be more than one soul as when the power of levying money which is the nutritive faculty has depended on a general assembly the power of conduct and command which is the motive faculty on one man and the power of making laws which is the rational faculty on the accidental consent not only of those two but also of a third this and danger of the commonwealth sometimes for want of consent to good laws but most often for want of such nourishment as is necessary to life and motion for although few perceive that such government is not government but division of the commonwealth into three factions and call it mixed monarchy yet the truth is that it is not one independent commonwealth but three independent factions nor one representative person but three in the kingdom of god there may be three persons independent without breach of unity in god that reigneth but where men reign that be subject to diversity of opinions it cannot be so and therefore if the king bear the person of the people and the general assembly bear also the person of the people and another assembly bear the person of a part of the people they are not one person nor one sovereign but three persons and three sovereigns to what disease in the natural body of men i may exactly compare this irregularity of a commonwealth i know not but i have seen a man that had another man growing out of his side with a head arms breast and stomach of his own if he had had another man growing out of his other side the comparison might then have been exact hitherto i have named such diseases of a commonwealth as are of the greatest and most present danger there be other not so great which nevertheless are not unfit to be observed as first the difficulty of raising money for the necessary uses of the commonwealth especially in the approach of war this difficulty ariseth from the opinion that every subject hath of a propriety in his lands and goods exclusive of the sovereign's right to the use of the same from whence it cometh to pass that the sovereign power which foreseeth the necessities and dangers of the commonwealth finding the passage of money to the public treasury obstructed by the tenacity of the people whereas it ought to extend itself to encounter and prevent such dangers in their beginnings contracteth itself as long as it can and when it cannot longer struggles with the people by stratagems of law to obtain little sums which not sufficing he is fain at least violently to open the way for present supply or perish and being put often to these extremities at last reduceth the people to their due temper or else the commonwealth must perish insomuch as we may compare this distemper very aptly to an ague wherein the fleshy parts being congealed or by venomous matter obstructed the veins which by their natural course empty themselves into the heart are not as they ought to be supplied from the arteries whereby there succeedeth at first a cold contraction and trembling of the limbs and afterwards a hot and strong endeavour of the heart 
to force a passage for the blood, and before it can do that, content of itself with the small refreshments of such things as cool for a time, till, if nature be strong enough, it break at last the contumacy of the parts obstructed, and dissipate of the venom into sweat, or, if nature be too weak, the patient dieth. Again, there is sometimes in a commonwealth a disease which resembleth the pleurisy, and that is when the treasury of the commonwealth, flowing out of its due course, is gathered together in too much abundance in one or a few private men, by monopolies or by farms of the public revenues, in the same manner as the blood in a pleurisy, getting into the membrane of the breast, breedeth there an inflammation, accompanied with a fever and painful stitches. Also, the popularity of a potent subject, unless the commonwealth have very good caution of his fidelity, is a dangerous disease, because the people, which should receive their motion from the authority of the sovereign, by the flattery and by the reputation of an ambitious man, are drawn away from their obedience to the laws to follow a man of whose virtues and designs they have no knowledge. And this is commonly of more danger in a popular government than in a monarchy, because an army is of so great force and multitude, as it may easily be made believe they are the people. By this means it was that Julius Caesar, who was set up by the people against the Senate, having won to himself the affections of his army, made himself master both of Senate and people. And this proceeding of popular and ambitious men is plain rebellion, and may be resembled to the effects of witchcraft. Another infirmity of the commonwealth is the immoderate greatness of a town, when it is able to furnish out of its own circuit the number and expense of a great army, as also the great number of corporations, which are, as it were, many lesser commonwealths in the bowels of a greater, like worms in the entrails of a natural man. To this may be added, liberty of disputing against absolute power by pretenders to political prudence, which, though bred for the most part in the lees of the people, yet animated by false doctrines, are perpetually meddling with the fundamental laws, to the molestation of the commonwealth, like the little worms which physicians call ascarides. We may further add the insatiable appetite, or bulimia, of enlarging dominion, with the incurable wounds thereby many times received from the enemy, and the wens of ununited conquests, which are many times a burden, and with less danger lost than kept, as also the lethargy of ease, and consumption of riot and vain expense. Lastly, when in a war, foreign or intestine, the enemies get a final victory, so as the forces of the commonwealth keeping the field no longer, there is no further protection of subjects in their loyalty, then is the commonwealth dissolved, and every man at liberty to protect himself by such courses as his own discretion shall suggest unto him. For the sovereign is the public soul, giving life and motion to the commonwealth, which, expiring, the members are governed by it no more than the carcass of a man by his departed though immortal soul. For though the right of a sovereign monarch cannot be extinguished by the act of another, yet the obligation of the members may. For he that wants protection may seek it anywhere, 
and when he hath it is obliged without fraudulent pretence of having submitted himself out of fear to protect his protection as long as he is able but when the power of an assembly is once suppressed the right of the same perisheth utterly because the assembly itself is extinct and consequently there is no possibility for sovereignty to re-enter. End of chapter 29